Hear the word of the Lord from Nehemiah chapter 4. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt, and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, and your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, We all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dodds, and I'm one of the pastors here. And today we are continuing our study in Nehemiah. 
So the book of Nehemiah tells the story of God's people rebuilding the broken down walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is all about building a new Jerusalem, a new city of God, which is precisely what the church is called to do today. And so we're turning to the book of Nehemiah in order to learn how we should go about doing that. When the church is in disrepair, what should Christians do? In the midst of a society that cares very little for the pursuit of holiness or the word of God, what should be our posture and action as his people? Last week we witnessed the beginning of the rebuilding project. Excuse me. We saw goldsmiths and perfumers, nobles, and common Jewish laborers coming together to man posts, shoulder to shoulder, to rebuild the walls and gates of Jerusalem. People from different backgrounds and families working together in the like-minded endeavor of renewing the city of God, building God's house, is something that we do together. It's something that we do together with the diverse gifts the diverse peoples that God has provided. We also saw that the city walls were consecrated by the priests. In this, we witnessed the entire city becoming holy to God in order for it to be a light to the nations and a home for all tribes, nations, and tongues. And this is the very thing, the very thing that the church is called to be. This is who we are called to be. And today we're going to be looking at Nehemiah 4 and considering the opposition that comes against this work. We'll talk about how Nehemiah and his compatriots defend their work and what that means for us as we seek to build God's city among the cities of men. So let's read from our text again. Now when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews, and he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Tobiah, if you didn't pick up on it, is sort of the the cartoon sidekick here, right? You said it, Sam Ballot. But like we said before, the rebuilding of the wall doesn't happen without regular opposition. Sam Ballot and Tobiah have heard that the work has begun on the wall, so they start ridiculing the Jews publicly. Sam Ballot's jeers are base and infused with hatred. The Jews are pathetic. They're completely incompetent, completely incompetent for this task. They'll not be able to finish the wall without considerable help from external sources. And even if they appeal to their God in whom they're placing their trust, his strength isn't enough. Therefore, their efforts are only futile and doomed to fail the mind of their opposition. They have not considered the enormity of the task in front of them. You think you're going to rebuild the walls? If they really had considered the task in front of them, they would have already walked away. As we build the church here at Sojourn, we too should, we should expect these kinds of jeers. 
If you think about it, we're, we're hoping to build a city that will eventually cover the whole earth. A city where unbelieving nations and peoples will be welcomed in to join in this building project. We're building a city that is going to transform every other city into centers of radical hospitality, sexual purity, generous living, and all of that through our King and Savior, Jesus and his gospel. And so we should expect everything from comical taunts to outright anger and oppositional rage. We think about it for a moment. What would, what would Sanballat say to us here at Sojourn Heights? You think you can build such a place with, with these people? You think you're going to build a city that incredible in one day, in one, in one decade? It's impossible. Where are you going to get the resources? Do you, think, do you think God is really going to help you? You're probably just doing it for yourselves. And what you've built so far, what you built so far, super cute, but hardly impervious. Hardly impervious. But in response, Nehemiah doesn't seem to be interested in sparring with his opponents right now. Instead, he turns to the Lord and he puts the matter into his hands. Verse 4. He interrupts almost. He interjects, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So Nehemiah calls upon the Lord to attend to the situation that he and all the builders are facing. And he asks the Lord to bring his opponents to account for their sin. Now Nehemiah's prayer certainly certainly gives us pause. As well it should. But it is germane with other prayers that we find in Scripture. In Jeremiah 18, Jeremiah asks God to plunder his enemies and to not blot out their sin. He calls for their overthrow and for God to deal with them according to his anger. The Psalms contain similar language. Just a a couple of samples. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your burning anger overtake them. Maybe even consider Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 16. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Or even from Revelation chapter 6, this is the voice of the martyrs underneath the throne of God. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now, these seemingly unsavory requests are not merely spur-of-the-moment sentiments. The psalmists are not flying off the handle in rage. Paul isn't out of his mind, and neither is Nehemiah. See, here, Nehemiah isn't taking vengeance. He's leaving vengeance to the Lord. He turns to the Lord to whom true vengeance belongs and he asks for the attacks and taunts to be turned back on their opponents. 
He doesn't pray against unbelievers who are leaving him alone. He prays against those who are conspiring against God and his people. And so what can we learn here? As we build the church, and in light of the full counsel of God's word, we, we should be confident that we can profitably use prayers like Nehemiah's, like Jeremiah's, the words of the psalmist, to address evil in the world. We must be thoughtful and yet unafraid to employ such requests to the Lord in light of his enemies. We must, as a, as a new covenant people, we must not be bloodthirsty, but we should want and call for justice and ask God to thwart the wicked and their plans in the world. That's part of how we rule with Christ in this world. We call for the end of wickedness, for the end of sin. So, what comes next? The builders persevere, and they achieve considerable success. Though a great deal of work remains at this point, they've established a complete wall around the circumference of the city to half the intended height of the wall. The repairs are happening. The breaches are closing. Everyone has a mind and willingness to work. This is really good news. This is good progress. The potent response that Nehemiah and his builders give to the taunts and jeers of their opponents is this, trusting in the Lord, praying to the Lord, and engaging in effective labor. And we do the same. We do the same. When opposition comes, we trust in the Lord. We pray for the Lord to intervene, and we keep building. We keep building in the face of opposition. We continue to share the gospel. We don't shrink back. We continue to be generous and hospitable. We don't close our tables and our homes and our wallets and our lives. We open them up. We continue to devote ourselves to the scriptures and to God's commands. We, we teach our children daily about what the Lord has done. And so word of this work in Jerusalem reaches the adversaries of the Jews, but the numbers are growing, it seems. Nehemiah names here not only Sanballat and Tobiah, but the Arabs and the Ashdodites. So now, if you can picture this, now you have Sanballat and Samaria coming from the north. Excuse me. You have Sanballat from the north. You have Tobiah and the Ammonites coming from the east. The Arabs are in the south, and Ashdod, which is a Philistine city, is coming in from the west. And so the Jews really are. They're literally surrounded by enemies, and enemies who are very angry that things are going so well for them. The Jews' opposition now goes beyond taunts, and it switches to plotting. Sanballat and company conspire together to attack Jerusalem by force. They don't want to tolerate the Jews rising up as a power and presence in their region again. And initially, Nehemiah and the Jews respond really well to the threat. They first turn to God in prayer, and then they take action by securing the city and their construction efforts during the day and during the night. They fortify their efforts. But, as we see here, morale still falls in Judah. The taunts, the threat of attack, the enormity of the building project all have the Jews failing in their zeal. 
The people in Judah begin to echo the taunts of Sanballat as expressions of despair and depression and dismay. They're, they're almost haunted by Sanballat's previous taunts. They're caught in their heads, and they're terribly fearful of a nighttime surprise attack. Plus, if we look at verse 12, at that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us 10 times, you must return to us. So even Jewish countrymen are asking the builders to stop because they too are afraid that they're going to be caught in the attack. As all of their attackers are coming in, they're on the outskirts and they're saying, you've got to stop building because if you don't stop building, they're going to come in to attack you, but they're going to get to us too. So just come home. Put down the trowel and come home. There's a lot going on to confuse and frustrate and scare the Jews into submission. They're worried, they're disoriented, and the building project now seems precarious, and it's right here that Nehemiah responds. Let's read. So in the lowest parts of the space, but behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard it, that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. So at the most vulnerable points of the wall, where the wall is lowest and the people are most open to attack, Nehemiah brings help by placing extra men at those places. While the Jews might face opposition on all sides that threaten to end their rebuilding efforts, ultimately, Nehemiah reminds them that their adversaries, the adversaries they face, do not have the strongest or best side of the conflict. The Lord is with his people. He's not with his enemies. He's with his people. Nehemiah reminds them of that. As Nehemiah says, it is the Lord who is great and awesome. It's not the opposition. It's not your enemies that are great and awesome. It's the Lord who is great and awesome. At each point, he's, it's been him who has been equipping you. At each point, it's him who's been stirring the hearts of kings and rulers and builders. It is the Lord who provides for your needs, and it is the Lord who is enabling you to overcome this opposition. Sojourn, we're going to face seasons and years when the work to be done seems impossible. And the taunts and jeers from the world and the naysayers of Jesus will, will seem overwhelming. They'll feel overwhelming. But we must remember that the Lord is with his church. He will frustrate the plans of our opposition and equip us for every work. Whatever the season, we too can trust him. We too must remember him. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. It's worth noting that Nehemiah here does not emphasize the power and efficacy of God as a substitute for our duty. He doesn't say, remember the Lord, he will come, do nothing else. He says here, he reminds his compatriots of their God and his attributes in order to inspire and motivate them to organize their efforts. 
So he says, remember the Lord and fight for one another. Fight for your sisters. Fight for your children. Fight for your brothers. The reason we should fight for one another is because our great and awesome God fights for us. We come to each other's aid because he comes to our aid. We fend off foes and attackers. We pray for and minister God's word to each other. Because that's what the Lord does for us. So, what happens? God frustrates the plans of the enemy. It seems that Sanballat and his crew hoped that a rumor of a nighttime attack would be good enough to get the Jews to back down and abandon their building project completely. Perhaps Nehemiah called their bluff. Perhaps not. But either way, from here on out, the rebuilding project is undertaken with military force and strategy. Nehemiah establishes this sword and trowel system. Each builder now functions as a soldier, a guard, and a watchman. Everyone is equipped with a weapon along with his building tools, and they distribute the load of work in such a way that everyone can both build and defend what is built. And Nehemiah even installs a security system by stationing trumpeters around the wall for battle summons if anyone's under attack. And he's so vigilant that along with his companions, he remains dressed and armed at all times, ready to be called to the defense of the city in a moment. So what have we learned? What have we learned from from Nehemiah 4? What have we learned about our posture about our action, about how we are to build the city of God in the face of opposition. Here are a few things as we close. We should expect taunts and jeers from the enemy and the world who think that our efforts here at Sojourn are feeble, foolish, and futile. Throughout the Bible, God often does powerful things through seemingly feeble people. So can a church our size actually change the entire neighborhood? I think the world would say no. I think Sam Ballot would say no. But what does God say? What does he intend to do through his people, through Israel, who was the least of every nation, and that's why they got picked? They got picked because they were nothing. And God did amazing things through them. Secondly, as we build the church, we should be confident to pray prayers that ask God to deal with those who conspire against him, to ask God to frustrate the wicked in our world. In our text, Nehemiah is seeking the good of others, and Sanballat and Tobiah are seeking their own advantage at the expense of others. It's, it's, it's a picture of good versus evil. Building the city of God will inevitably conflict with the values of the world. As we build God's house, it will conflict with the world. And the prominence of the city of God means the weakening of other cities, of other leaders. We need to understand this. We need to be prepared for that. Also, when opposition comes, we trust the Lord. We pray 
and we keep on building. We keep on building. We don't pause in the face of opposition, and we fight for one another because it's the Lord who fights for us. Fourthly, we do well to see that God's enemies mock the feeble Jews, but what we see here is that God mocks their futility. God, God picks a side. <laughs> he picks a side. And following him sometimes requires that we will pick sides too. Nehemiah recognizes that there can be no reconciliation between God's agenda and the agenda of his enemies. Something else. It's common to hear Christians calling for winsomeness and wrestling with difficult issues, wrestling with different and difficult situations. And winsomeness is so good. We should do our best to attract others to the faith, to win them, so long as we don't lose sight of the fact that we are called to win the world for Christ. At some point, if winsomeness is all we're aiming for, it can become a forfeiture, and, and we can end up making peace with, with an enemy that God intends to destroy. And finally, while building, we should be prepared for battle. Should be prepared for battle. Each builder on the wall was also a soldier. And so as soldiers, as builders, we cultivate discipline and obedience. We get trained in godliness. We stay organized, we stay unified, and we, we endeavor to master the sword of the Spirit, God's Word, so that we can wield it effectively and defend what we are building. And for this, for this point, this last point, I want to do something a bit different. If you are 11 years old or younger, would you please stand up? If you're 11 years old or younger, would you please stand up? Rory, if you could please stand up, that'd be great. <laughs> it's, not, it's not possible. Sorry. True, it's right there. That's, yeah, that's good too. Um, yes, if you're great, wonderful. Okay. So, now I've, all of you who have stood up, all of you who have stood up, can I get your attention? Get your attention, just your eyes on me for just a moment, okay? I want you to, eyes on me and I want you to listen, listen very carefully. So what we've learned today, what we've learned today in the book of Nehemiah, okay? What we learned today in the book of Nehemiah is that you, that all of you have been called by God to build his kingdom and to defend his kingdom. To build his kingdom and to defend his kingdom. All of you have been called to do that. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to hold your hands up like this. Make two fists. Hold your hands up like this. Okay? And in your right hand, I want you to imagine a sword. Brian, do you have that sword slide? Perfect. Okay. And there's the website if you're interested in purchasing the sword. not great. Okay, so I'm not saying you shouldn't get it. I'm just saying be careful. Okay, so we've got, 
I want you to make two fists. And I want you to imagine in your right hand that you have this sword in your right hand, okay? You can kind of close your eyes and maybe even feel it in your hand, okay? Then I want you to imagine in your left hand that you have a trowel, what's called a trowel. We'll take a look at that, okay? So a trowel is something that you actually, you, you pick up cement and you put it on top of a brick and you put it on top of the wall. So you build with a trowel and you fight with a sword. Build and you fight. Now finally, I want you to say this. I want you to say after me. I want you to repeat after me, okay? I want you to say it all together. I am a builder of God's kingdom. I am a builder of God's kingdom. Excellent. Okay, now secondly, I want you to say, I am a soldier in God's kingdom. I am a soldier in God's kingdom. Okay, wonderful. Good job, y'all. Sit down. That's great. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Great job. Okay. Sojourn, what we, what we have is one better than Nehemiah, our king and commander Jesus. He is, he is dressed. He is at the ready with sword and trowel, our master builder and our great defender. He fights for us. He makes us better builders and better soldiers. You know how Sanballat said at the beginning, he was like, are you going to raise up these stones? Jesus raised us up stones. He raises us up, makes us living stones, builds a home, builds a place. He makes us better men, better women, and he is the foundation upon which we build. We are, we are glorified subcontractors in this great building project, and it's a project that will not fail. In the end, we will win because he has won. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you. We thank you, Lord, for being the God who, who raises up stones, who pulls even stones that have been burned, Lord, and uses them. Lord, you've used us to, to build a house where you dwell. And Lord, as we look at Nehemiah 4 this morning, we pray that you would, Lord, that you would teach us Lord, how to live this way as we build. To look to you, to depend upon you. Lord, to call on you, to ask you to, to deal with wickedness in the world. To not take vengeance into our own hands, but to put it into yours. Lord, to be the kind of people that know that because of what Jesus has done, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against your church. We will win because you have won. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us strength to continue building. We pray that you would give us strength to defend one another when attacks come, when attacks from the world come, from the enemy come, from, Lord, from the, the works of darkness, that we would be people who pick up the sword of the Spirit and come to minister, to pray, to care, to lay down our lives for each other because... That's what you've called us to do, and that's what you've done for us. Lord, make us a people who do see ourselves the same way, with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other.
We come to build and we come to defend. Lord, we pray that your house would be built. Pray that every, every brick would be laid with intention, that every labor would be effective. And Lord, the nations would be welcomed into your house so that they can join and build. And they can make it even more beautiful than it is now. Lord, we need you and we love you. And we ask all of these things in your name. Amen.